This is the Bloom Boss Podcast. My name is Alyssa Morton, former 9-to-5-er turned full-time event florist and serial multi-six-figure entrepreneur. Every day, I'm bringing you an inspiring conversation, quickie mindset episode, or lesson learned to help you take the leap of faith into building a floral-based business. Thanks for starting your day with me. Now, let's boss up. Are you an aspiring or new event floral entrepreneur struggling to find the information, trainings, and community you need to build your own joy-filled flower biz? Come join us in our Bloom Like a Boss Club, the exclusive community for event floral professionals. Each week, our members receive a new design and recipe along with monthly group trainings and bonuses for being part of the club. Visit the link in the show notes to learn more. having a bit of a fangirl moment because we've got Ashley Erber on the podcast today. When Ashley started her wedding planning company, The Simply Elegant Group, she was a one-woman operation. She never dreamed that years later she would grow the business to one of the largest planning companies in the country with a team of over 40 employees and over $4 million in sales. As a natural-born connector, she now gets to share what she's learned about leadership and team development through her company, The Abundance Group. Her mission is to help over 15,000 creative entrepreneurs to build their dream business by building their teams. And let me tell you, this podcast episode it just cuts right in. Like, we go deep in this thing. And we're talking all things leadership. We talked about when you're trying to create SOPs for your business, how you're going to hire A players, what it looks like to be an A leader, how to create a really amazing culture and cultivate growth with your employees, and just so much information in this podcast. So I'm going to let you get right in and let me know what you think about it because this one's gold. Ashley, I am so excited to have you on the Bloom Boss podcast. Thank you for being here. Heck yeah. Anytime I can talk to friends about teams and leadership, I'm in. I love it. This is going to be so juicy because I know so many florists in particular, like we have a really hard time releasing control. And I think that stems from a leadership perspective. Mm. So we, I'm really excited for this conversation because you're the team's expert. I know that you have grown multiple successful businesses like with your teams. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a lot of topics that we could talk about in here. So First off, like what comes to your mind like when you think about leadership and how do you become like an A team leader? Because yeah. A players don't work for B leaders. Yeah, I think for me, what I hear so often in the in the creative community in general, um, I love that you're like, as florists, we have a hard time passing off, you know, trusting and passing off responsibility. I'm like, that is every single small business owner. <laughs> so like don't feel don't feel worried if you're in that space of like, how do I trust? someone else with, you know, my business that I have worked, you know, had sleepless nights over, spent thousands of dollars in marketing, right? So it's totally understandable. The The number one thing I hear in that is there's also this layer, if we're, if we're kind of deconstructing the belief around it, of I don't know that I would be able to lead well. I don't know if I'm charismatic, especially my introverts that, um, you know, right, they, they have these labels on themselves of, oh, those people that can uh, command a room and are charismatic, they're good leaders. That's not me. Therefore, I wouldn't be a good leader. And I want to lovingly uh, suggest that that is not a very true belief. Leadership is a skill. 
Leadership is a skill we can learn and that anyone can learn. The extroverts that are charismatic and command a room, they can be really terrible leaders because they're self-centered, they don't equip well, they don't hold people accountable, right? Just because they are magnetic doesn't mean they're leading well. Introverts, we just have different skills. We all have different ways we need to learn uh, leadership. So I think when it when it comes to, you know, kicking off this idea of building a team, or maybe you uh, kind of fell into having a team, and now you're in the middle of it going, wow, we didn't, we kind of lacked the intentionality uh, happens a lot, which is great, a booming successful business. Um, I think it's really making the decision that leadership is a priority to learn and empowering yourself and knowing like, you know, I always say like for photographers or planners or florists, right? Think back to the first bouquet you ever put together. Probably pretty laughable compared to the yeah, percent. Now, right? <laughs> because that's a skill. That's a skill you have learned over time. And I think once we really adapt this mindset with leadership, it kind of just changes the game. We're more forgiving of ourselves. We're actually more willing to take risks and learn. Um, so that's, I would say, Alyssa, like my number one thing on if we can switch that mindset to that everyone can be a powerful leader and that it is a skill to learn. And honestly, if you have the volume of business or, you know, talking about, we were talking about strike teams and all of this stuff, you ha- your business has the need for other individuals to be a part of it. Leadership is the most important skill to learn. Forget sales, forget marketing, right? And a lot of the times people, you have that, you've, you've aced that. That's harder, I think, in my perspective. Um, you've done that well. You have the clients, you have the volume. Um, but the number one skill we need to learn is leadership. So that's kind of my my two cents on, you know, I think especially changing our mindset can change the game. So what are some good qualities that good leaders have? Like what, like as a leadership, as a skill, like what sub skills or subsets of that do we need to develop to become, you know, a really great leader? There's two big things. That is learning how to equip your team appropriately. So understanding the tools and things they're going to need to be successful in the role. So again, if they need, um, you know, uh, more time to strike, if they need um, certain physical tools, if they need CRMs, if they, what do they need to be successful in their role? That is, we have to understand and, and build communication around that with our team. Because if we don't equip them well, we're setting them up for failure. Yeah, and thousand percent. Right. And a lot of people just don't think of it this way. I know kind of your question and probably a lot of your audience minds went to like um, being an empathetic listener. And yes, that's great. But if we can't equip them with what they need and really understand what they need in their job to be successful, there's no way they can do it well. So I would say really, really understanding how to equip each individual, each role with what they need. Because as individuals, we were talking in our intensive yesterday about how people have this idea of treating people fairly and and treating people equally are the same thing. But we don't actually agree with that because different people need different things. 
for example, I have a planning company. I have planners that are really relational based and they problem solve and work through issues. And then we have planners that are really detailed and logistics based. And so they're like, their planning timelines look different. They're both incredibly successful. They just do it differently. So how do we equip our team members to be successful? That's the number one thing. And I would say getting comfortable holding people accountable, making sure that you're setting those expectations well, equipping them well, but then saying, hey, let's check back in. Did we actually hit that goal? Maybe if we didn't, why not? Do I need to equip you better? Yeah. So I think if you can do those two things, how you do them, your temperament, your personality, um, I don't want to say it's irrelevant, but there's a million great ways to do it. There's a, there's, uh, and, and anyone can truly be a great leader. So if we kind of keep our eye on making sure we're equipping and making sure we're holding accountable, you will be a better leader than 99% of all leaders in business. And this is stuff dad and I talk about. I own a business with my dad, Dale. We talk about this all the time. He used to serve Fortune 500 companies. And they don't do this. They don't equip their team and they don't hold them accountable. And dad's like, it's not that difficult. So I think if you do this or focus on this, you will be doing things better than Fortune 500 companies. And you'll have less hiccups. Like Mm -hmm. everything will go smoothly. Like, and your team will be less resentful of you, especially if they're telling you they need these things to do the job well and you're ignoring Mm -hmm. them or not fulfilling that. Yeah, well, they love the work because they feel like they're the person that is leading them understands them because you're giving them what they need. But then you're also having what what we call kind of a friendly but firm relationship. The Mm -hmm. friendly is the empathy, the understanding, the relationship building, the caring for them as a person, kindness. We all care to be treated kindly. That's universal. Um, So if we can learn that, and I think equipping people is a a, a layer of kindness. Um, So if we do that, we also need to kind of have the firm, the friendly but firm. The firm is, hey, how did we do? I'm going to check in on our results to make sure we're all on the same page. So that setting expectations and holding people accountable uh, is kind of that other, the other side of that. And you can, again, you're never, you're never going to be in perfect balance and that's okay. No one ever is. Um, But I think just having that intentionality, you're going to be miles ahead of other people that are building teams. So how frequently should we be checking in? Should it be weekly? Should it be after every single event? Like what does that like post-mortem kind of system look like or that process? Great question. And I'm going to go back to whatever you have set up from an expectation perspective. All of them are great. You can check in once a month. You can check in once a day. You can check in, you know, whatever post-event. Great. The difference between, you know, micromanaging and having your team be too autonomous is setting those expectations of when those check-ins are. So for example, I'll use my team. My team, uh, we have a core team call that we do once a week. I have a check-in with uh, each individual on my core team once a week. And then they always have access to me so they can ping me anytime. And then our team, our lead planners check in um, after the event, they just fill out a survey. And then we have a full team call once a month. That is one way to do it. (laughs) That's not the way or the only way. Uh, That is the way we do it. And my team understands that that's the expectation. And then we just move forward. So what organically happens most of the time is you're going to have more uh, frequent check-ins at the beginning of the working relationship together. 
And then they're going to earn your trust. And then you're going to go, hey, we don't have to connect every day. We can connect every other day or once a week or once every other week. Um, so I think it's really you just have to articulate, communicate directly and effectively how often you are going to meet and then hold to that. And that's where we're not, you know, if it where micromanaging feels like it comes in is when we're checking in more than they expect us to. They're like, man, we just talked. Can we, why do you need, <laughs> you're right. You're looking, yeah. over, you're looking over my shoulder. You need all this in, information. But if you set the tone that we connect every other day and then you connect every other day, they're like, Oh, well, okay. They're, they're upholding their word. This is great. Uh, but if you're, if they think you're going to check in every week and you're checking in every other day, that's where we run into that. So I would say as often as the leader needs to build their confidence continually with the team, organically more frequent in the beginning. And then kind of as the team builds trust. Um, but I mean, after every event, I think you want to think about why are we checking in? You don't want to have meaning on top of meeting on top of meeting for your team. It's just not an effective use of time. But what are we trying to glean from the meeting? Are we trying to learn what happened at the event? Are we trying to understand if we are equipping them effectively? Um, and I think that will organically help you figure out the overall schedule of the check-ins. Um, but hopefully that helps. It's really more about the relationship you're building with the individual and how often they need. Because I also have people on my staff that they want those check-ins more often. And there's other ones that like to run and just be autonomous. So I have, and again, back to that equal is not fair, right? Equal meeting yeah. time is not actually fair to them. I, I check in twice as much with this individual who wants that constant contact back and forth. Uh, whereas the, uh, you know, individual that just loves to run and loves to do their own thing, I check in with less. So um, it kind of really depends, which is a, a crappy answer to that question. <laughs> but I wanted to kind of give context before I said that. And hopefully that uh, gives some perspective. That makes total sense. I can think back to like any position that I worked at. Like I've always been the type of person that's like, talk to me when there's a problem. Mm -hmm. And that's like, if there's no problem, don't talk to me. And I got it handled. Or other people are like, check in every single day. Like, this is what I need. Like, this is what you want me to do. And it's like, that's fine. Um, so I want to like talk to you a little bit more about systems and standard operating procedures. Like, yeah to really set our like our team up for success like are there certain things that we need to be thinking about when it comes to letting them handle like say inquiry processes or talking to clients and like relieving that kind of mindset shift like it kind of goes hand in hand mm -hmm. with that kind of process because i know that a lot of us as florists and I'm, i imagine just small business owners in general have a difficulty with that mindset of releasing them mm -hmm. to be able to make the sales call yeah, I, I'll say, I'm going to say something your audience is going to be like, what? And I believe <laughs> it to my core. Build them as you go. Okay. Don't build them all and then hire, right? Build them as you go. Why? Because they're so much more effective if you're having your team members help you build them as you're building the role. Because you have the curse of common knowledge, this literally happened to my team on Tuesday. Uh, we're switching a role out and someone's taking on basically our CRM, our process. And she's like, oh, you know, we should only need 30 minutes to connect, to, to talk to each other. And 30 minutes in, 
the team member that was getting it was like wide eyed and like, I don't, we are on Mars. We are on like, we, and it was so evident the curse of common knowledge that my team member had. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Okay. We need to back up. We need a high level conversation. You need like four more hours time. And when we do that, I think that's what makes SOPs tricky is people don't understand their own curse of common knowledge. So if you build them as you go with team members you're bringing on, they're going to organically ask great questions and you're able to answer those and have your SOPs dive deeper into what this means or what is, you know, when, when we say uh, clean something up, well, how thorough is that? My clean is different than my husband's clean. Okay. Let's be honest. Okay. (laughs) But like, what does that mean? And I think when you build them as you go, one, it relieves so much stress off my uh, business owners because they don't feel the weight or the wall of awful of like trying to create these SOPs before they hire. I hate, this is like my pet peeve that I wish I could take away because it is, it feels so overwhelming that people move away from the opportunity of teams because of this issue. So please, please, please get comfortable building them as you go and setting that expectation for the team members you bring on. Hey, guess what? You're helping out in this process. I'm super excited to see what your questions are. And then again, if it's, if it's, you know, they're inquiring and here's our process, um, you know, what do you have, what do you have questions on as we're building this, doing this together? Um, I'm always also a big advocate for um, not duplicating your work, not, you know, if you have a meeting, like an initial design consult with a client, um, have them come to that or record that if you're doing it virtually. Um, you're already doing that task. Let's not make extra work and then, you know, uh, do it another time to do the training. So if there's opportunities like that that you can see to help with training, I think that's a really great way to do it. So my biggest advice here is build them as you go, which again, people are still like, "Eh, I don't know, Ashley, I'm not sure about this, but I promise getting comfortable doing this will actually make better SOPs than if you tried to build it first. That makes so much sense because you don't know what the questions are until you're Mm -hmm. actually doing it Mm -hmm. because you could build this whole thing out. And like you said, like the common knowledge, like the terms that you're using, like they probably don't understand at all. A hundred percent. Or why you do it the way you do it or, you know, just a million different things. And that's where I think it's just really, really helpful if you have them do it alongside with you. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more about the actual like nitty gritty of conversations and the communication style like boundaries as far as like when people be getting in touch with you and I'm sure it varies from person to person like we talked about before but what kind of expectations should we be setting in the beginning as we're like easing into becoming better leaders Mm -hmm. I think uh every so there's there's a couple different things 10,000 foot view Um, What I love so much about small business owners and entrepreneurship is you are building a business that, that makes your dream life possible, whatever that is. For me, I'm a big Disney nerd. I like to take vacations and run around with my five-year-old and be like, you know, a kid again. Some people want to have a cabin in the woods, a beachside house. Some people just don't want to work. So they're okay with what, you know what I mean? Like, Whatever your beautiful dream life is, 
that's where we orient all of this. From there, we're creating a company culture. And again, as a wedding planner, for example, for me, I have a very different company culture than other wedding planners. And that is also the beauty of entrepreneurship. I can build a company and a vibe of my team in the way in which I want us to show up. So there's kind of once you've worked through those layers, there's two different components to, I think, company culture. There's internal So there's like, okay, how we treat each other within the team. And then there's external, how we treat our clients. Having those be differentiated is important because, you know, setting expectations with different types of relationships is key. But I'm going to talk a little bit when it comes to our team. How do we really make the culture of our team match? Like, for example, Again, the, the dream life we have. So, so for example, um, I, a good friend of mine, Sarah Dunn, she's an incredible yeah, I know uh, her. SEO strategist. I adore her. Um, her company's um, core is really about excellence and a standard of perfection. And that is how she wants her team to show up. And she does. And they do. And it's incredible. My company culture is more about serving, showing up, building relationships. If things slip through the cracks, we're going to work it through. But that both are great, right? Both cultures are great. They're just different. So when you have your team come on board, it's really important as the leader to have those defined of like, what type of culture are we? Are we collaborative? Do we work? Um, do we have a lot of achievers in our, in our, that we hire? Um, I'm a big um, advocate for uh, temperament research. I'm actually been nerding out about it for about the last three years and having a culture of, of, people that really seek harmony and and not rocking the boat or that seek fun or that seek achievement or that seek excellence, right? Those things are all great. And you have control of how your team shows up. So you just have to make those decisions as the owner and leader of what is our culture? What are we trying to build together? And then you're finding people that align uh, with those with those core values and those beliefs. But I think overarchingly the the secret in this is, and you, you've heard me say it like four times already today, is intentionality. We just have to have that intentionality and 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 be thoughtful about that on the front end as leaders because then we can bring people in the fold um, when we have that vision. I love that. So when we're going about, let's say like crafting that culture, that environment, like how do we, like, I guess it's just more clarity, like journaling. Like how do you recommend that we go about like seeking that kind of clarity to know what kind of culture we want to create? Yeah. Great question. I think, yeah, I think you just think about it. (laughs) You you just think about it. You maybe ask around other people um, that you maybe admire, like, you know, tell me some values you have within your company. Um, uh, Just really what, what makes you blossom as a person? Like for me, for example, um, I get really weighted down 
when people tell me they're overwhelmed or they're stressed, I am a bright, shiny yellow. I want everything to be happy and exciting all the time. And when I have people on my team that are in the minutia of all the details all the time and cause I'm like, I have checked out. I am so sorry. <laughs> I want to go do these things and go meet new friends. So really for me, being intentional about either bringing people in to fulfill weaknesses that I have, which I've absolutely done, which has been brilliant, but also surrounding myself with people that are like-minded within the things that I care about. So what do you find yourself gravitating towards? What do you, what do you, what impact do you want your brand to have on the marketplace? Uh, I think those questions will really quickly help you discover the type of team culture you want to have. Are there like really good questions that we should be asking our team members as we're bringing them on board to make sure that we're meeting their needs, like from a perspective of having them working to the level that we want them to be? Like, I know Mm -hmm. that we have this belief that nobody's going to work as hard in our business as we are. And that's probably true, Mm -hmm. but there's ways to keep our team motivated and inspired and taking action and like wanting to show up every day and not cancel on you or not show up. So what questions should we be asking them to make sure that they're a good fit in the company and that we're meeting their needs so that they're continuing to grow? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, So we teach at the abundance group, basically the three C's of hiring. And I think the one most relevant in this conversation is character character to to kind of what we talk about is do they work hard do they have integrity are they going to show up do are they also humble and they can say man i really screwed that up and not just like brush it under the rug and pretend like it didn't happen or flake on showing up um so i would say um in the interview process really um leaning heavily into character-based questions um to kind of flush out um their character But here's the other thing, Alyssa, like interviewing is such a, everyone's on their best behavior. It's really. I was just going to say that. Yeah. It's hard. I'm a believer of like a trial experience more than an interview. Interviews are great, um, especially again for florists. If you can have them come in and do a working interview and watch, are they taking initiative? Um, Did they show up on time? Did they show up late? Like if you can have them work in that real world environment, that is a great way um, to kind of learn that. But at the end of the day, you know, interviewing, we're not hiring people to interview well, <laughs> like, right? yeah. we're hiring them to do this job. Um, so I love that idea of being able to, to see them in, in their working element as much as possible. And we always say to um, in the interview, it, it's a conversation, not an interrogation right? We're not drilling them on all these things. We're really just trying to see like, do we want to have them a part of our company? Um, And so I would say leaning really uh, heavily into character-based questions. If anybody listening wants to know what those are, come connect with me. Like I'm happy to give you some resources on what those character questions would be. Um, And the other thing I'll say, I think um, when it comes to interviewing is recruiters, um, this is this is a quote from Dale, my dad. He has um, a lot of great friends in the recruiting space. And one of his recruiter friends basically said, I've been doing this 35 years. I am really good at my job. Excellent at his job. He gets it right 
less than 70% of the time. So know that our objective is not to hire six people and they be on with us for 36 years. <laughs> like we, yeah. we like, People are going to leave. You're going to make a bad hire. They're going to have interviewed really well. And then you're going to find out they are not a good fit. You know, fantastic interviewers, but not great florists. (laughs) Oh, you are a great actor. That's what we should have. That's the role you should have. You should be an actor, right? So, you know, uh, being graceful with yourself and having the expectation that one, one of every three is going to leave in a, uh, either sooner than you think, or you're going to have to let them go. And that just is part of the process of hiring. And that is part of the process of building a team. So also just have some grace for yourself that not everybody you hire is going to work out and assume that will be the case. So now your baseline is just different. And you're like, hey, it would be great if, you know, I make a hire of three rounds of people. If two of these people stay for the next six months, that would be a big win. But how do I equip them and hold them accountable in those six months to build good relationships moving forward? But yeah, interviewing is, it's tough. I love your idea, again, of a working interview. As often as you can do that, I'm, I'm a huge advocate for that. This interview with Ashley was one of my favorite conversations on this podcast to date, and I'm so sad because we had a bit of a technical glitch during the recording process and the last seven minutes of our conversation was cut off, so I want to make sure that you have all of the tools in your pocket to help you grow your floral biz team and culture. Ashley and her dad over at the Abundance Group are so incredibly knowledgeable about the hiring process, leadership development, growth strategy, and have dozens of amazing free and paid free sources available for you. So you can reach her over at the Abundance Group on Instagram and any of the links that I'm going to link in the show notes for you. And she even put together a What's My Leadership Style quiz for you that I'm going to link in the show notes as well. That goes into the temperament that we talked a bit about in this podcast today. Go send Ashley an Instagram DM and just let her know that you found this conversation and that you found value in it here on the podcast. Ask your burning question when it comes to hiring your team and just share this episode with your friends because this is literally one of the best episodes we've had so far. Thank you again for listening and I'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day, everybody. I hope today's episode inspired you on your floral pruner journey. Make sure to check out the show notes for a rundown of today's episode, along with the important links and resources we drop for you. If you enjoyed this and want a deeper dive into some of the topics we discuss here on the show, make sure to join us in our Bloom Like a Boss Club, and I'd be grateful to see that you shared this episode with a friend or on social media and left a review on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, if no one's told you today, I want to remind you that you can build a successful business while playing with flowers. Now let's get out there and boss up. 